0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grants flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun is Chuck Holmes. Uh, It's great to be back for another week. We're enjoying some beautiful, chaotic weather here in Columbus, Ohio. 81 day, 40 the next. Uh, You got 35 in the morning, 75 in the afternoon. Chuck, over under, how many times have you felt a cold or allergies coming on since March 1st? I'm up to twelve and a
1: half right now. I had the line at ten. Yeah, so. yeah I went way over that. Unfortunately, it's been a rough. Uh, it's been a rough season for your boy when it comes to itchy, watery eyes and the nose running. I'm looking forward to getting all these uh, beautiful trees bloomed and out of the way and on to some summer. Right. So
0: you know, for those of you listening who are not in Columbus, Ohio, you know, God bless you. You've probably got better or at least more predictable weather to deal with, but Chuck and I are recording again on a Sunday, but this is no ordinary Sunday, folks. This marks the beginning of NFL Draft Week, which for my money is better than the week leading up to Christmas. I mean, the NFL Draft is inarguably a top five annual sporting event slash weekend for me. So I would say it's the Draft, March Madness, the Masters, week one of the NFL, And then I will leave a spot for any international competition like Olympics, World Cup, something like that. I I see you smiling, Chuck, because I think, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot before we get into more draft stuff. Do you have a top five or do you just want to like sub in opening day for one of mine and be lazy or, you know, what am I missing here? As a
1: baseball guy, opening day can't be topped. And I'm a, I'm a March this first weekend guy as well, but the NFL draft, it's the ultimate in like you just as a fan of an NFL team, you just know this is the weekend that changes everything for you. If your team stinks, they're going to draft the, the next superstar that's going to take them to the top. If your team's really good, this is where they make their Super Bowl run by filling in those one or two holes. So I agree with you. It's a great weekend. I'm excited to see not only where, you know, my favorite team, the Bengals, goes, but also where all these Buckeyes end up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so sticking with the draft, that is what this pod is going to be all about. Chuck and I are enormous football guys. We could probably talk about 100 to 150 players who are expected to be taken and not sound ignorant or uninformed. You know, I don't claim to be Todd McShay. Chuck's not as ugly as Mel Kuyper Jr. He doesn't have the hair, but like you know, we can talk about some guys. But frankly, we don't have the time, and this is obviously an Ohio State-centric pod. So we're going to stick with the Buckeyes. What Chuck and I are going to do is make a prediction for where each of the big Buckeyes is drafted. Make a general prediction for their rookie year, maybe. And um, then when it comes to C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, We're going to talk about dream scenario and nightmare scenario for each. So uh, again, we're going to focus on the two tackles, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. The other guys. Preemptive apologies to Zach Harrison and Luke Whipler and the others. You know, if we have some time, maybe we'll make some predictions for the later rounds. But I think that Stroud and JSN is going to be pretty fun and pretty interesting. So. Dealer's choice, Chuck. I will cede to you on this one. Do you want to start with the big boys up front, or should we come out swinging and go with the air quotes stars here?
1: Yeah, I think we got go to go the stars. We got to keep give the fans what they want. They want to know where where Stroud and JSN are going for sure.
0: Okay, so Mitch Rossi. Here's my prediction. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I'm with you. Let's start with the big guys. Let's start with or you know the main guys, I should say, and the ones who are presumably going to go at the top. And we'll get into some chatter about that later. First up is CJ Stroud. And if we're doing the categories here, um, for me, the dream scenario is Seattle at number five. I know he loses a little bit of money, falls a little bit, but I like Seattle at number five. Nightmare is actually Houston at number two. I think it's a dumpster fire of an organization. I think they're, you know, the weapons on that team, not very good when Robert Woods is like your go to wide receiver. uh, I think you've got a problem. But let's save predictions. Let's do dream and nightmare. Let's start there. So for me, the reason I like Seattle two bookend tackles on rookie deals, they've got one star wide receiver. And one, Robin, again, air quotes, that's Tyler Lockett, can sit theoretically if he's not ready and learn from a guy like Geno Smith. And the thing with Geno Smith is he is used to that dynamic of being a backup or being the placeholder. You know, They thought he was going to be the placeholder last year and he just did a really good job. But that big deal that they gave him in reality, is a big one-year deal with a couple of options tacked on. And then I just think they have a great fan base. So I think you put CJ Stroud in Seattle, whether he starts right away or next year, I just think they have a really good offense. They need to build up that defense, but pretty good team, good coach, this, that, and the other. So that's my dream scenario. Excuse me. Nightmare for me, again, I said is Houston, the below average skill guys. They do have a franchise left tackle and not much else, you know. Uh, Laramie Tunsell, great blindside protector. I-, I couldn't tell you another guy on that offensive line. And the thing that sort of sticks out to me, you never want to be the second quarterback taken, in my opinion. You look at some of the guys, Rick Meyer, Ryan Leaf, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky, all went number two. And yes, there have been some probably better examples or guys who have succeeded but it seems like a little bit of a curse to me almost like the team had to settle and they didn't get the guy they really wanted I don't know if that would be the case here with the Texans but I, I don't want CJ to fall victim to the number two curse so those are my two teams as far as dream, nightmare scenarios Chuck
1: where are you at? What teams did you land on? So this is this is going to be interesting because for my dream, I almost picked the Texans. You and I have fundamentally different beliefs on this Texans team.
0: Big Nick Casario guy, apparently.
1: <laughs> they don't. They they don't warrant your trust, and I, I completely agree. But I think D'Amico Ryan's is going to be a great head coach. I think him bringing guys in from San Francisco to run the offense is a great idea and I think if they can get him into that Shanahan-style offense, it could be productive. That being said, I am a sucker for what is working right now, and I think the Colts are his dream scenario. Uh, I've, I'm bought into what, what Shane Steichen is doing and has done with the Eagles when he was there as the offensive coordinator. I think he can bring that same style concept to indianapolis and allow cj to be that guy that kind of grows with the the system they have a history of bringing in top quarterbacks and it working now these last five years they haven't done that and it hasn't worked so i do believe if they were to get somebody like cj Stroud, they would put him in a position to succeed and he's got decent weapons yes they're not uh, They're not all pros, but Pittman is serviceable. They've got a great running game. Nothing is better for a a rookie quarterback than a really strong running game. And two years ago, Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the league. So that part of it could help him immensely. You get a little bit of play action rolling, and all of a sudden everything opens up. For a nightmare, to me, it's the Raiders. And people are saying, well, why the Raiders? They've got a great running back. They've got arguably the best wide receiver in football, and both are very true. Jake. Jacobs had a great year. Devontae Adams is a stud of a wide receiver. What they don't have is somebody at the top of the organization that can do anything for them. Josh McDaniels is not the guy. He just isn't. I, I don't have any faith that he can do what he needs to do as a head coach. I don't have any faith that Mark Davis can do what he needs to do as an owner to put them in the right position. They hired McDaniels, they hired Dave Ziegler, they haven't done anything. They turned David Carr from a top 10 to 18 quarterback that he was every year to the point where nobody would even trade for him. So to me, that's the reason that's not a a great scenario for him. And let's be honest, besides Carr, who have they developed in the last 40 years? Their only good quarterbacks that we've seen have been retreads that ended up becoming good. You're looking at Rich Gannon 20 years ago. They don't have guys that come in, get developed, and start with the Raiders. So that's my nightmare scenario. I definitely won both of those arguments.
0: (laughs) The Raiders are sort of interesting because, yeah, they have... (sighs) I don't even know if it's arguable at this point. Devontae Adams is a beast. He is my wide receiver one. So in theory, you're like, gosh, great security blanket. You can throw it up for a guy who's going to win every single jump ball. He's going to get open. He's going to do this, that, and the other. But yeah, just the team around, errat- it's the aura, right? Like <clears throat> the Raiders can't do it. They haven't done it. And, and it's like they, they beat Derek Carr down. To where you're right, he just he's gonna be now the rich Ganon somewhere else. I think he'll probably succeed elsewhere, but neither here nor there. I like both of those arguments. Ultimate prediction, I'm gonna go with your dream scenario, actually. I think that CJ Stroud ends up in Indianapolis. Whether that's at number four, or I think there's a a realistic scenario where they trade up to number three just to make sure that they get the guy. But Indianapolis, the Colts, they have to invest in a quarterback. They have to, have to, have to. Ever since Andrew Luck, they've tried Phil Rivers. They've tried the Matt Ryan. They've tried the guy who is on his last leg, is not a reputable starter in the NFL, and it hasn't worked out. They've been pretty bad, you know? So I think this is the year that they invest. And if you're going to. Like if you're gonna make that big investment, why not do it in like the safest stock, the safest, of and I just think that C.J. Stroud has the highest floor, which doesn't mean that he has a low ceiling. In my opinion, I just I think he's the safest guy. Contrary to again what we might touch on a little bit later, I think he's gonna be good. You put the pieces around him. They've got Steichen, like you said, an offensive guy enough weapons and yeah, I I think it works out. And he has, I think, sort of adapted to the Midwest, but like, you know, Indianapolis, they don't play outside. Right. But he's sort of gotten used to it here. And then you look at the rest of the division to, you know, going to Houston, going to uh, Nashville, playing against the Titans. like I think they could just win with him pretty soon. So I like that one. That was your dream scenario. That's my prediction
1: for CJ Stroud is number three or number four going to Indy. I actually don't think he lasts to him. I think all these uh, prognosticators that say Houston isn't looking at a quarterback, I think are just absolutely crazy. I would fall on the floor shocked if he doesn't end up in Houston. I just I don't see it. I don't see how we say this every year and the they just don't drop. Quarterbacks don't drop, right? If they drop, there's a reason.
0: Right? It's because they're Brady Quinn or like Aaron Rodgers is the one guy who did drop and panned out. But other than that, they drop for a reason and that you don't want them as your franchise guy anyway.
1: Absolutely. So I don't see it. And I know people were saying, oh, D'Amico Ryan's has a six year contract. And he's got time, but what, what is their next year that is going to help them? Like, yes, Caleb Williams is available, but are we like, is he a better prospect than CJ Stroud? Like what, what are they? Is he exponentially better? Like he's not, he's the same size. He has the same arm. He's playing in a explosive offense, putting up the same concept numbers. And oh, by the way, he's a jerk. So is he really <laughs> the guy who want leading your franchise? So I don't I don't I don't buy that. And we've seen coaches get fired with 3 and 4 years left on their deals anyway. These NFL teams print money. The McNair family made their money in oil and are billionaires for a reason. They don't they don't care about the $20 million if uh, we end up in D'Amico Ryans goes 4-13 his first two years because he doesn't have a quarterback. You get the quarterback, that gives you an opportunity. That almost gives you a three-year window to say, hey, we've got to develop this guy. If Stroud, as we think he is, is a franchise guy, I just don't see him getting passed up, and he ends up going too.
0: Yeah, the thing with D'Amico Ryans, too, is I don't think you're going to convince him to lose or tank. You know, he is a first-time Absolutely. head yeah, I mean he's a first time head coach. He's a heck of a competitor. He was a player, what, five years ago, something five, six years ago, whatever. Um <clears throat> I I he's not David Cawley. He's not Lovey Smith, where it's like, hey man, we're just gonna bring you in to make sure that the locker room is eh, nobody's at each other's throats, and then we're we're playing for draft position. I don't think you were going to convince D'Amico Ryans to be that. So even though it's my nightmare scenario, I I want C.J. Stroud to make money. You know, I, I want him to be highly drafted, highly thought of, um, not passed over too many times. So I can see that being the case as well. So that's where Chuck and I are at on C.J. Stroud. I think that's a good starting point. And yeah, right after this, we're gonna get into J.S.N. All right, Chuck, let's talk Jackson Smith and Jigba here. Widely projected at this point to be wide receiver one off the board in this draft. Like I looked at the odds. I think Zay Flowers had the second best odds, and he was like plus 300, plus 400 to be the first wide receiver drafted. And just an aside, it's sort of crazy at this point. If you would have told me before the season, that Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to play because of a hamstring injury, and people are going to question his motives, maybe call him out a little bit, and that Jordan Addison is going to play, and there's going to be some kid at TCU who's like 6'4", 215, puts up 1,500 yards. Like, if you told me all of those things, I'd be like, oh, well, JSN's going to drop. JSN's going to be a late first router or something like that, but... Pretty good pro day, and you saw some of those other guys. Jordan Addison weighs 109 pounds, not an explosive guy. Uh, Quentin, uh, Quentin Johnson put up the numbers, but now he may not be considered explosive enough for whatever reason. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't want to say he's backed himself into wide receiver one conversation, but it's just like, I think people have realized, oh, yeah, he was pretty good that one year that he was healthy, and he outshined Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who were the top two rookie wide receivers in the NFL last year, and he put up more catches, more yards, all that good stuff. So let's get into JSN scenarios here. We talked a little bit about this before the podcast, and I just went wild card as my dream scenario for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I went Green Bay Packers at number 15. I'll get into that. It seems sort of odd that they are presumably going to wave bye-bye to their franchise headache, their franchise quarterback of the last 15 years. But there's a reason I went with him here. My nightmare scenario, and I don't know how likely it is, but my nightmare is New England at number 14. Let me jump into my reasons here. I, again, I don't know why I like the Green Bay Green Bay scenario as much as I do, but if he were to get a number fifteen to Green Bay, the Packers, he would be or he would likely join a young offensive core. You're looking at Jordan Love as quarterback now, who the Packers have said that they love. Christian Watson, they've got Romeo Dobbs, all a bunch of young guys. Could experience some growing pains, but ultimately I think he would form a nice one-two duo with Christian Watson. Christian Watson put up 100 touchdowns last year, but he's sort of that big, dynamic guy. Maybe not the best route runner, maybe not the best hands in the world. That's where Jackson Smith and Jigba comes in. I think he could become their top target guy pretty quickly, and... Yeah, I I just like the fit. I don't, and there wouldn't be, in my opinion, a ton of pressure right away if and when Aaron Rodgers is traded. I I don't think Packers fans would be happy with a three and fourteen Packers team, but I don't think they would be that bad. I think they've got some other pieces, and I think that that fan base would also appreciate the organization finally investing in a first round weapon. So you might say, well, that's the opposite of not having any pressure if he is the guy that they finally take. But again, I just I think Packers fans know what they would be getting into. And so I think that they would grow to love him and I think he could be productive there in Green Bay with Christian Watson. I think it's a really nice duo. As far as my nightmare, look, I don't I don't think this is a likely scenario. Cause I think that the Patriots, you know, they went out and they got Mike Kosicki, they got Juju smith schuster but they had this huge offensive reset in 2021 whiffed on all those free agents pretty much. And so they have to retool at some point if you're going to build around Mac Jones or whoever it is. So they signed Juju, but really none of the other guys are anything to write home about. So I think that drafting Jackson the Jigba. Is a possibility. It would be a nightmare scenario because I don't think the Patriots have a good quarterback. I I don't believe in Mac Jones, uh, Bailey Zappi, sure, or whatever. He's Bailey Zappi for a reason. And the thing that gives me most pause or most concern is their track record on drafting wide receivers. It is like comically, historically bad. So if they were to go out and get JSN, he would just. Automatically be associated with that stench, that curse of New England wide receivers whom they have drafted. You know, I I wish I would have wrote down the names, but you can look it up. You know, like and Chuck, you know that the Patriots have tried this, and it's like, oh, it's the speed guy, oh, it's the big guy, and they've, you know, typically targeted them like the second round, but they've had a couple late first. Every single guy has failed. Every single drafted wide receiver by the Patriots has failed. So. On top of that, too, JSN is sort of a Jackson Smith and Jigba, or I'm sorry, a Juju Smith Schuster clone. Is he not? You know, like they're both around 6'1, both around 205, 210, maybe not a burner. Um, There's some redundancy there. And so I I don't know how he offers. I think he's a way higher upside than Juju is. But if you've got two of the exact same pieces in your offense, I, I don't know if that is a recipe for success. So that's my nightmare for scenario for JSN is ending up in New England. What do you got, Chuck?
1: I don't disagree that New England is a bad fit for him because of what you said. I think Smith Schuster and he both have similar things, and you, you're just not going to have two guys that really like to work out of the slot be a a big part of your offense. However, I actually However, think the Green Bay – I actually think the Packers are a terrible, terrible fit for him. And I I'm shocked that you love it. And the reason I think it's terrible is I think Jordan love stinks. I think if Jordan love didn't stink, they would have traded Rodgers last year and they wouldn't be haggling this year. They would just move on. Like there's no way their season Rodgers had last year is worth the headache. If Jordan love could replicate the season that Rodgers had. So without a quarterback and without, like we, we talk about Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs like they're these stars, but they both had one or two really good games. Watson caught a bunch of touchdowns, but it's not like he caught 75 balls like he's still a three and Dobbs is only a quote unquote good player because he was drafted in the sixth round. And yes, he was a steal for the sixth round, but he wasn't a first round guy for a reason. So he's going to come in, have to be the number one with a quarterback who nobody believes in yet, or they would have already moved on from Rodgers. Because if they had traded Rodgers last year, they would have got three first round picks for him. And they didn't. Not only did they not, they paid him $60 million. So love's not the answer in my head. And to me, that's just a nightmare. I think he needs to go to the Texans, <laughs> you and me and this Texans, because. I'm still of the belief that they're going to take a quarterback. And that would be perfect. I know where you're going. That would be perfect. Yeah, they take a quarterback. They're going to struggle on defense. They're going to be behind. They're going to get to throw the ball, and it's going to be from three and four wide, so he can move around. He can be in the right slot. And they're just going to he's going to get the opportunities and the reps for a receiver. It's not as imperative that you go to a quote unquote good team to be in a successful scenario for you personally and for you, your career. He can be on a bad team for a year or two, put up good numbers and still be deemed a future star in the league. They don't look at wins and losses for receivers. Just look at Odell. He's still a superstar, and he hasn't been on a, besides the Rams, hasn't been on a successful team in eight years. But they look at the success he's had, and he's a quote-unquote good player. So he can go there. He can be successful quickly. He's going to get targets quickly, and hopefully if if CJ's that guy, he's obviously coming in as a number one with a guy that knows him, that a guy that trusts him, and they can hit the ground running.
0: Yeah, when I say perfect and when I was agreeing with you, I think it would have to be Stroud and JSN. I don't think it would be perfect if it ends up being Will Levis and or Anthony Richardson. You know, if it's Anthony Richardson, half of his targets are gonna be, you know, off base, off center, not in the catch zone. And if it's Will Levis, you know, who knows if that guy lasts eight weeks and then it's Giraffe Mills again, right? So I like that as a dream scenario, but only if It's C.J. Stroud, his boy from Ohio State. Um, But yeah, long story short, that's actually my prediction. I I do think he ends up at number 12, not because of C.J. Stroud. I just think because he's the best wide receiver in this draft. And I think that the Texans need a wide receiver so. I, you know, unfortunately I don't have a ton to add there because we've covered so much with the Texans. I I don't love the fit unless there's one specific guy there, but ultimately I think he goes there because he's wide
1: receiver one. Yeah. And you could have convinced me that he would have been a Titan a few weeks ago, but it sure smells like that they're going to try to move up and get a quarterback and they're not even going to have that pick. I know for a while there, you kind of thought they were just going to double down and get another receiver in that scenario, if he doesn't go to Houston, like he's not going to the jets, he's not going to, to some of these other teams. It could be the Packers maybe. And and that could be in my mind, terrible, but it's a, a a possibility, but there's a chance if he doesn't go to Houston and this isn't an indictment on him. I think there's a chance that just the wide receiver position as a whole gets pushed down and that he falls into the twenties for no reason, but, bad timing on who's there i'm looking at this right now um
0: like what if he fell to 16 and the commanders end up with terry mclaurin curtis samuel and jsn would we just have to like change not change our allegiance but give like 10 percent of our rooting interest to the
1: the former dan Snyder's? it would be interesting from a buckeye fan perspective but god what a terrible pick for them like they have <laughs> seven hundred million holes. They don't have a quarterback. You would have three really good receivers and just nobody throwing to them. Yeah,
0: and that's where like that's where I'm sort of agreeing with you. Is if it doesn't happen at twelve, I think fourteen and fifteen the two teams that I brought up are realistic possibilities. But both of those teams may have more pressing needs. Um, you know, gosh, at number twenty, like if he fell to twenty and he becomes the heir apparent to Tyler Lockett. That's interesting. Um, The Chargers need a guy who can stay on the field, which I don't know if that's JSN, but also maybe a guy who can just get open and do some things not on the outside. So there are some possibilities. Um, Yeah, but did I cut you off? Did you give your your prediction? Not your perfect scenario, but your prediction? No, I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I think he
1: ends up a Texan.
0: Okay. So, we're actually on the same page there, and that's... Those two guys are, are where we wanted to go super in-depth with, but we also want to touch on the tackles, the guys up front. So, transitioning just a little bit, Paris Johnson Jr., I, I don't have a, a nightmare or a dream scenario because, I mean, he's a tackle. What do you want from me? You know? But... As far as teams that make sense, I think Tennessee makes almost too much sense for Paris Johnson Jr. and number 11. You know, they've got Mike Vrabel as the coach there. They're in search of a new franchise left tackle to replace Taylor Lewan. They even have Nicholas Petit-Friere on the other side. They could have Buckeye bookends. I think that Titan fans would probably prefer trading up for a quarterback or taking a skill guy, maybe even an impact defender, but... I don't think that they are in a situation to force it. This team is in a soft rebuild, and until they can spend money in free agency or bottom out, I think it makes sense to build up the trenches when you're sort of in this like in-between ground. Maybe you go and get a guy like Kayla Williams or Drake May in 18 months. I don't know how much Mike Vrabel would like that, but I think building up the trenches and maybe building up your lines right now for a team that needs so much, makes a lot of sense for the Texans. So, I'm just going to throw out one prediction for Paris Johnson Jr.
1: Tennessee around that 11 range. Just to be devil's advocate, I I do think that's a good one. I could see him going to Chicago. I know there's been a lot of uh yeah. a lot of speculation that they're going to get the kid from Northwestern and and that may be the case. I think Chicago's there. I could also see him sliding a little bit, and I would hate this as a Bengals fan, but he would go to Pittsburgh. He would be their left tackle for the next 12 years, and even if you've heard multiple people say, hey, he's got to clean up a little bit and he's got to get a little bit stronger, they've been so bad that they wouldn't even care that he needs to clean up a little bit of technique and needs to get a little stronger. He's still an upgrade from everything they've had besides Bill the wave for literally the last 15 years. So while I would, it would hurt my soul a little bit, it would be a great opportunity for him, and he could be there for a decade plus.
0: Yeah, as soon as you started saying like, hey, I would hate this, and hey, it would really work out, I knew where you were going, and then that, then that's the thing with Parrish Johnson Jr. is the reason he needs to clean things up he played two positions the last two years but guess what he was pretty damn good at both of them so yeah if he if he's got to clean up some stuff sure he's a rookie but i think he could play left tackle right tackle or guard and i don't know that you want a guard unless it's like that quentin nelson prototype so early in the draft but like that's in case he fails essentially at tackle so I don't see a world in which Paris Johnson Jr. falls into the 20s. I really don't. So I obviously like my landing spot. I regretfully like yours. I think he would be a good fit there. So I think he would fit for a lot of teams, really. As far as the other big guy up front, quite literally, Big Thanos, DeWan Jones, to me, Dewan Jones is a fringe first rounder. Uh incredible size, obviously, but the fact that he hasn't really worked out for teams, like worked out, worked out, it's a bit concerning to me. He was outstanding in 2022, did not give up a sack, but you know, guys his size on occasion have had trouble staying in shape. So I'm just gonna throw out sort of an interesting scenario. Chuck, we've both seen him mocked to the Bengals at twenty eight. I would not be a fan of that pick. However, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to make a prediction that he does end up in Cincinnati elsewhere. You ready for this? Early second round. Late 30s, early 40s. Cincinnati trades pick number 60 and Jonah Williams to move up. They probably have to throw in filler. Maybe like a a 6th or a future 6th. But... They trade up and take Dewan Jones in like that
1: 40-42 range. What do you think? You, you, you're – I'm speechless. I don't even know where to – how to process that. Because it it's so brilliant? brilliant. Yeah, it, it is really good. I don't know that anybody wants Jonah Williams, but if somebody did – I mean, if you think about it, like the Jets need a tackle, and if they want to take a flat one-year flyer, they still keep their pick – And granted, it drops down to 60, but if they think he can be a starting left tackle for them for this year and then they can figure it out going forward, it's not terrible. That's where I think he ends up. I think he ends up in that top top half of that first or I'm sorry, second round. And you look at the teams up there like a ton of them need line help. You look Steelers started off Cardinals, Colts, Rams, uh, Raiders saints always needed titans jets falcons like all these teams need a tackle and could easily fit a right tackle into their lineup so i don't see how he gets past 45 which leads to you probably slotting in as a starter day one which is awesome for him yeah it
0: you know, when I threw out that scenario, there's got to be some sort of sweetener, some sort of filler. I don't know what that is for the Bengals to move up 15 to 20 picks. But it, it was an interesting thought because I've looked at a lot of mock drafts recently and it I still see Dewan Jones occasionally mocked at number 28. I've seen him as high as number 21, I think, to the Chargers uh, on... It was Pro Football Network, I think. Um, I actually had it in front of me earlier. Yeah, Pro Football Network has Dewan Jones going number 21 to the Chargers. Look, Dewan Jones could be the next Orlando Brown Jr. or Trent Brown. Like, I do like him. I just have my concerns, and for the Bengals specifically, I would rather a safer pick. That's just me, but... I would like if they ended up with him somewhere. So those are your your big four. As far as the other guys, Chuck, just jump in if you disagree. But otherwise, I think Zach Harrison is probably late two, early three, something like that. Luke Whipler, late three, early four. He has been, I, I think he's one of the top two to three centers. Uh, the kid from Wisconsin I think his name's Tipman is up there. Uh, another Big Ten guy, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. So there are a couple centers ranked above Luke Whippler but I think he'll go fairly early, especially given where he was at the beginning of the year. But that's about it for our prediction machine. We're going to have so much to get into after the draft with all of these guys and their landing spots and their potential that – You know, I think we can sort of kill it for the predictions, but Chuck, I want to circle back to CJ Stroud because there's been a lot of talk about him this week. We've seen it come out to where Bryce Young is now the heavy betting favorite to go number one. As of yesterday, Will Levis is the heavy betting favorite to go number two. I think like MGM had him at negative odds. There may be some other books, some other entities that have him as the heavy favorite. So... CJ Stroud has gone from the presumptive number one pick to the number third, or number three, number four, you know, whatever. And I just think it's worth a conversation. Like, there have not been any games played since everyone thought that the Panthers were in love with CJ Stroud. His pro day went pretty damn well. You know, I've heard people say, like, oh, it's the greatest pro day performance, you know, that's exaggerating a little bit, but there have not been any legal troubles. There's not been any gas mask videos uh, of CJ Stroud. There has been a test, though, right? There's the S2 cognition test. It came out. It's been rumored that this is now taking the place of the wonderlick test, and it's not a out of 100 correct answer sort of thing. It is meant to measure just general cognition, ability to read, react, adapt, things like that. It's come out that Bryce Young scored a 98, Will Levis scored a 93, Anthony Richardson scored a 79. The rumor was CJ Stroud scored in the 18th percentile of this test, and so that's why he is tumbling on the board. Chuck, I want to turn it back to you here for your response here. You know, is this some sort of hit job, do you think, on C.J. Stroud? For whatever reason, do you think it's teams just looking for a negative because there haven't been a lot of other ones around C.J. Stroud? Is this the smokescreen stuff that we always sort of hear? And, you know, do you think it's remotely possible that C.J. Stroud, because I don't believe this, but... I mean, do you think that he is just exponentially, uh, is this even the right word, dumber in air quotes? Like, I, I don't buy it. 18 is borderline, can't tie his own shoes score. I, I I think, not knowing enough about this test, what is behind all this stuff coming out about CJ Stroud, do you think? I don't know
1: why it's coming out now. And I feel like if he really scored in the 18th percentile isn't that something a team would have leaked way before this? Isn't that something that they would have wanted to get out there? Because that's not like, that's really bad. And you look at these other scores and you're not expecting all of them to be uh, like neuroscience geniuses, but I just, I, I struggle with what I watched on film and what I watched on game days being the same as him not being able to process like he is actually one of the only quarterbacks that could process. Part of what was the problem with Levis is he couldn't process past his first read. Part of the problem with Richardson is he doesn't have the ability to process and see where he's got to throw the ball to be accurate. Like, C.J. Stroud never had that issue. You saw countless times this year his ability to look at his first read, go to a second, go to a third, and be able to make the right decision. And I just, to me, that's way more important than some, even if it is accurate, and I don't believe it, some fake cognitive tests that we had obviously not heard of a ton before this. I think I had faintly heard of the S2 prior to this, but I had never, this wasn't uh, like the Wonderlick was back in the day, and and rightly so. We, we We don't need to know these scores. The teams do, and that's it, but... but I, I don't buy it, and I think it's – I don't know why somebody would leak it, but it's obviously – or or just say it, I mean, because you don't even have to leak it if it's not accurate. But for him to be so far down that list, I just don't believe Ryan Day would have, A, ever put him in the position that, that he was as the quarterback at Ohio State, and, B, I don't – he just wouldn't have produced at the numbers he did if he couldn't process on the football field.
0: Yeah, you, you. – that's right. You watch the game. You look at the film. If you're like, hey, can this guy figure it out? You put it on the Georgia tape. Yeah, I think he figured it out. Um, I think about... You think about a lot of teams he played against, but like Penn State. Dude, Penn State's got Joey Porter Jr. going to go in the first round. They've got Jair Brown who's going to go. They've had the great safeties the last couple of years. And, and he's lit up Penn State like... You watch him against the good teams, and for the most part, he's doing absolutely everything that you need him to do, that Ohio State needs him to do, to win football games and to sort of figure it out. So, I I just think it's a weird hit job. You know, you're looking for, okay, Bryce Young's tiny. Will Levis is a right-handed Tim Tebow. Um... Anthony Richardson can't hit the broadside of a bar. And I'm exaggerating, but like those are some of the knocks against those guys. And for a while, it was like, um, it's too easy for CJ Stroud. Like that was the knock, right? And so this happens every year around draft time. I guess it's, you know, it's possible that CJ Stroud took this test and he didn't take it seriously or. Maybe he's just a bad test taker, you know, like some people get straight A's and suck on the SATs. I I don't know what it is. I think it's probably a combination of some stuff or it could be complete bullshit. You know, the creator of the test came out on a podcast and was like, look, I know there's rumors out there. Don't buy into them. The big four guys all did pretty well. So maybe we should just believe that guy. I don't know, but... It's like with Justin Fields, you know, when he was coming out, teams all of a sudden were like, oh, he, he doesn't have a great work ethic, he's lazy, it's this, that, and the other. Like, until a week before the draft, no one ever said that about Justin Fields. Like, he's such a super high character guy, seems like a grinder, but for one week before the draft, it was like, ah, yeah, he's lazy, they need to go with Zach Wilson. Well, guess what happened? Zach Wilson scored well on a test. The Jets took him at number two and he's going to be playing in the USFL if it hasn't folded in a year and a half. You know what I mean? So these things are sort of silly, in my opinion. Can the guy play football or not? I think that's what it comes down to. Um, another good example is, remember Dan Marino on the Wonderlicks scored like a four? Just historically low and they're like, oh, Dan Marino can't play football. Dan Marino could play some football, so it's a stumbling you know block or you know a hurdle for him but i think cj is going to be fine ultimately if it cost him 2 million dollars over the span of his rookie contract like you know he might even end up in a
1: better position don't you think like if he falls could it be a good thing for him he's going to get if he falls he's going to get drafted by somebody who actually watches tape as opposed to somebody who a an organization that just falls for this dumb stuff Will Levis. So we look back at this past season. Georgia was the best defense in the world, right? They're they're the world beaters. And when Levis and Kentucky played them, Levis threw for two hundred yards, one touchdown, and a pick. And shockingly, C.J. Stroud threw for what did he throw fourth three fifty and four touchdowns. He was the only quarterback that was able to do that against them. But he can't process it against an NFL caliber defense. Like like what are we even? what are we even saying here? It's, it's, it's laughable. And to the team that if they take Levis or Richardson over Stroud, they deserve what they get. And the head coach will be a coordinator here in three years. And the GM will be a a pro personnel guy. And the owner will be complaining that they can't win without a quarterback because they picked the wrong guy again.
0: Yeah. And you bring up games against Georgia. I look, it's not good podcasting. If I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I do remember the first, at least the first time he played against them. Um, Anthony Richardson was awful against Georgia. Like looked like he hadn't played football before. Um, so it, at least one of the games. And like I said, I, I wish I had it up in front of me. But like they really got after him. And he was a little bit better, I think, the second time they played. Because he would have played against him multiple times. Regardless, neither here nor there. Yeah, look at the tape against the best teams, and CJ Stroud knocked it out of the park. So if he falls slightly, I think it'll be a good thing for him. But ultimately, I I'm excited, man. We're a handful of days away from the draft. If anything happens between now and Wednesday, when this likely goes up, Chuck and I'll maybe try and jump on. You know, it's silly season with all the rumors and stuff like that. But yeah, before we go, I. I I think I called Mel Kiper Jr. ugly earlier. Mel Kiper Jr. is a, a beautiful human being. I was trying to make a hair joke, so I seem to remember that earlier. I, I need to double back because if I'm ever going to end up on a podcast with Mel Kiper Jr., I can't have, I can't be in his bad graces. So uh, it was supposed to be a hair joke.
1: Other than that, Chuck, you know it. Go ahead. I was going to say, he, th- this group text that we're on with him, he is hammering you <laughs> for making fun of him. I, I don't know how he knows already. This is why Mel's so good. He knew you said that. We haven't even finished talking about the damn, uh, finishing the podcast, and he already knows what we said on it. So Mel's the man. Uh, we're, I'm sorry for you, Mel. I didn't mean for him to say that had i been able to stop him i would have uh, I, i've always been your biggest fan
0: <laughs> now i'm a huge fan too and like i said the the joke just didn't hit but i stalled long enough yeah i mean anthony richardson against georgia this past season 18 for 37 less than 50 percent of his passes so just another thing to clean up but yeah i think that's all i got chuck you got anything else before we get out of here
1: no, I think that's it. I'm excited for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I can't wait to see what what happens with this.
0: Cool. So that's going to be it for us this week, guys. Make sure to go and like, rate, review, and subscribe to hang out in the Holy Land. Um, you know, read my stuff on the website, all of that good stuff. But until next week and until after the draft, I'm Josh Dooley, and for Chuck.